0: To worst bestsellers, where we read about bed and breakfast and ghosts, so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read The Next Always by Our Lady Nora Roberts. Joining us to discuss this extended advertisement for In Boonsboro are Nora Roberts enthusiasts and host of the podcast Romancing the Shelf, Heidi and Emily. Hello, Heidi.
1: Hello, thank you so much for having us back.
0: Thank you for joining us. We are very excited to borrow your expertise for this. Um, And hi, Emily. Hello. (laughs) Just trying to give everyone a chance to uh, adjust to the fact that there's four women talking.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's so many. How will they deal with all of the shrieking and vocal fry
3: and... This episode is going to be so shrill. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be fine. We're mostly
0: talking about men anyway, so it'll be. <laughs> That's, <laughs> true. That's true. They'll like that. Okay, right off the bat, hello. It's nice to be back doing podcasts after our lovely little hiatus. Yes. And it's exciting to
2: have Heidi and Emily back to talk about Nora, especially because. We're going to in Boonsboro, thanks to the support of our lovely patrons on Patreon. That's amazing. I'm so excited oh.
0: for you guys. Yes. So what I was going to say before we got distracted, because this is a very distractible episode, mm. more so than usual. Uh, light content warning for stalking and violence against women, but real light, but it's in there. It is, yeah. And also, despite how this is going to sound, we are not being paid by Nora Roberts. This is an entirely... <laughs> unpaid advertisement based on her advertisement. But if Nora Roberts ever wants to pay us... Oh my god,
2: yes. (laughs) I mean, we're happy to do it for free, but... For free, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think we had to make this exact same disclaimer when we did our In Thin episode. We paid for this trip ourselves. (laughs) Because all we did was gush and gush and gush.
2: so. (laughs) So I googled this like... Renata said, like this this book basically reads like an advertisement for In Boonsboro, which, if you're unaware, is the bed and breakfast that Nora Roberts owns in the town of Boonesboro. And I was Googling before we started this book to like read get a summary, because I just downloaded it off Libro.fm. I didn't read anything about it. I knew it had to do with the inn. And, like, the first review that comes up is someone who's complaining that it's, like, oh, like, this book is basically just an extended ad for in Boonesboro. And it was so annoying. And spoiler alert, like, I fucking loved it. So (laughs) I'm susceptible. We're not immune to propaganda from Nora Roberts. No.
1: Well, she just flows it so well. I mean, why not? Just just lean in. That's what I say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, this is truly it's Disney World for like romance novel readers. It's like like nobody actually I was going to say nobody gets mad at Disney. A lot of people get mad at Disney. <laughs> so many people. <laughs> so many people. But uh, you know, a lot of people don't get mad at Disney for just like making a movie and then making their theme park based on the movie. Like why can't Nora Roberts do that?
1: oh she can and she didn't
0: rule right
1: and she she basically like owns the town now so everyone get over it <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh so Boonesboro, it's a small town in maryland this book it's set in Boonesboro. in the in Boonesboro with two n's um, this book it starts with a map, and I was like, but then it starts with the, it's not a fictional map of a fake place; it's a real map of real Boonsboro, and I was like, fuck yes, like I'm <laughs> I'm going here. I need to study this map to learn where the pizza place is. Although spoilers <laughs> for real life, the pizza place burned down, and I'm furious about
1: it. Yeah, <laughs> I've and been waiting for this to be like a Nora mystery, like who burned yes. down the pizza place? <laughs> yes. yes. So
3: when we were there, we went to the um, to the inn in September of 2021, and the fire happened in August of that year. No. So it was really recent, and there was some light hinting, and maybe that's just like what I read into it. I don't think Heidi and I talked about this. Uh, like there had been a large turnover of staff at the inn when we were there, and it was because um, they had really strict COVID protocols, and a lot of the people there were like, not for me. And they're like, well, then you don't have to work here.
1: Yeah. Nora like laid down the hammer. She's like, you can get yes. get out then. <laughs> yeah.
3: And so when we were there, um, they did this thing where like they would block out half of the rooms and you had to sign up for a specific meal time so that they could space everybody out. And you had to wear masks in the, in when you were not in your room or if you weren't sitting to like eat. So um, there had been like a large turnover of staff and that the fire might have been a, like revenge arson for people getting fired. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's hefty. Yeah. yeah. So at the time they were talking about like they were planning on trying to come back, but I believe that it is now. It's listed on Google now as permanently closed. So no more Vesta. I saw that. Oh my no. God. Just in our hearts, there's still a Vesta.
0: Yes. And and in the pages of this trilogy. Yes.
3: Exactly. I feel like this book has now become like this snapshot of what Boonesboro was in like 2011. So, what a much more peaceful time than our today
0: world. Yeah. Pre COVID, pre arson. <laughs> yeah. Although there was some light stalking and domestic violence, but resolved, yes. resolved easily. We're not going to go into all the incidents because I just wanted to gush about Boonesboro. But this is a book about, this is the first book in a trilogy about the three Montgomery brothers who are Owen, Ryder, and Beckett. And Beckett is our main boy for this book. And the Montgomery brothers are all like contractors. They're handsome. They know how to use a hammer. Like they're, And they're all working together to renovate the Inn Boonesboro and make it into a romance-themed bed and breakfast where all the rooms are named after famous couples from literary history, including even work from the In Depth series... <laughs>
1: amazing which i
0: which i knew from looking at the Inn's website that there wasn't even Rourke room and i just sort of assumed that in the book they would not mention that room but they do mention it which means that in the nora roberts universe jd rob canonically exists and that's iconic yeah but
3: didn't didn't she already write like the crossover of like putting these universes kind of like together with the um uh remember when i don't like I don't remember. People, I think so. No, the think. characters from Remember When cross over into the in, like they exist in the same world. Oh my god,
2: I love it! I love it. We haven't gotten that far yet, but now I'm excited. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> so they they legit like even work exist in the same universe as some Nora characters. So if all of the Nora characters exist in the same universe, then even Rorick are real people who now have a room named after them. Like, <gasps> in the past. Oh, oh, oh. In the yes. past! Yes, <laughs> yes, We yes, They haven't yes. even become even work yet, but they already, like, somebody already looked ahead and was like, this is going to be an epic love story.
2: Yes, yes, yes. I also noticed that throughout, they refer to the even workroom as the penthouse. And, like, just, like, this room over and over again, very vaguely. And then there's one drop where... Yeah. Beckett like calls to his brothers and his mom and aunt and says like family meeting in the even work room <laughs> and I was just delighted
0: <laughs> so delighted so yeah in this book they're like renovating the inn it had been an old historic hotel that I think also had burned down at some point and now mm-hmm. they're now they're fixing it and restoring it and making it beautiful that a ton of this book I would say probably like easily 25% of the pages of this book are just like descriptions of paint colors and wallpaper samples and like sheets and uh, custom best spoke fragrances for each room. And I loved it. And I have to say,
2: I felt like when we started, like I tend to like I've said many times and I actually was discussing this with a friend who I was hanging out with last night, that like part of the reason that like I really click with Nora Roberts is because the type of story that I want is like 60% mystery and 40% romance or vice versa. Like it, it it's, needs to be like, basically half and half mm-hmm. to keep my interest and hers are. And going into this knowing that this one was not a mystery, so much as like one of her more carpentry focused books. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna like this one as much. But like, fuck if I wasn't like yeah tell me more about you know the tiling that you're putting in tell me more about what a tile rug is thank you for having children in this book to explain these construction concepts to so that (laughs) I a person who knows nothing about construction can also appreciate them I
1: know readers advisory HGTV for
3: (laughs) that's one thing that I see a lot in people who like are not huge fans of Nora is they feel like she describes way too much like the houses in her stories or people like decorating and I actually really like it and um, so if people are not a fan of like home renovation and decoration long bits then maybe this is not the trilogy for you but I think it's so great and Heidi and I legitimately, like, we sat in the library at the inn when we were there and read out loud the descriptions (laughs) of the rooms to each other. And then compared them to, like, how accurate they still were, like, eight years after the inn had opened.
1: Yeah. I mean, it feels eerie to to sit in there and and read from the book. Because it is exactly the same. And so you feel like you've, like, stepped onto the page. You're like, what is this? It, It is, like, it's like a theme park for Nora Roberts fans it honestly is uh, yes
0: love it oh my god i can't wait yeah okay i was thinking of you because i know you like it when there's slightly more mystery than romance and i don't and so i was reading this one and i was like oh my god there's like there's almost no mystery there's this one's maybe like 10 percent mystery and it all is kind of like tacked in at the end and honestly could have done without it didn't need it
2: <laughs> feel like, predictably feel like- i was like I wish this stalking bit had started sooner so that I would have been more of it. But I no. also like loved the construction stuff.
0: I and honestly, I don't even really love the construct. Like what I would have swapped in was like just more bantering with the children and okay, we haven't even introduced the children. The yes. so the Montgomery brothers are the boys. The girl Claire is Claire. This is a trilogy.
2: Obviously, each of the books is going to be about a different Montgomery brother. But in addition to the three Montgomery brothers, there's three best friends who end up in this town. So the one that we're focusing on this book is Claire, who is a single widowed mother to three little boys who grew up in town with the Montgomery brothers and Beckett had a crush on her when they were in high school. But she like right out of high school married her high school sweetheart and he joined the military and was tragically killed in Iraq. So she now moved back home with her three sons and he's like been pining for her from afar, but also was like happy to maintain a friendship with her. Until one day he invites her to tour the inn while it's in progress. And this is also why I love this book. While they're going through the inn, the two of them together, they feel the presence of the inn ghost. <laughs> and it kind of pushes them the feelings they've both sort of been harboring for each other together and puts them in a place where they're ready to like pursue these feelings and talk about them and start like romantically courting each other specifically like because Beckett is very aware that Claire has these three sons and they're very important to her so he's like I know that like she's like a package deal with these kids and I need to like be sensitive to the fact that she's not the person like the 16-year-old girl I fell in love with but she's a woman with a family and they have to be involved in this and They're like budding romance and the way that he spends time with her kids and wins them over. It's very sweet. The other two women involved are Avery, who owns Vesta, which is the tragically in real life burned down pizza place, who is Claire's best friend, who is like just very tired of being single, but very excited for her friend. And then when the person who has been tapped for the innkeeper position at the inn uh, decides that she can't take it anymore because she's pregnant and she's moving in with her baby's father and getting married, they recommend their friend Hope, who was a hotel manager in D.C., to take the position. And then Hope is the third of their little trio, which, because I know how books work... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> books plus heterosexuality equals three boys plus three girls equals three books. Yes, like three couples. The so seven
3: brides to seven brothers equation. We yes. it. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I love that musical. By the way, anytime I can reference it and like put it in something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we need to get four more men and four more women imported to this town to finish out the series. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> By the way, Claire does have a job. She owns the Turn the Page bookstore, which if you're wondering, yes, it's a real bookstore that Nora and her husband own in Boonsboro. <laughs> <laughs> but in the book world, Claire owns it. Yes.
2: Uh, and the majority of the book is the two of them. Like, they're It's a mixture of the inn being renovated, Beckett
0: bonding with the
2: boys, Beckett and, and it, Claire's and relationship. It's so cute. It is very cute. Every
0: time Beckett shows up at this house, I just kept thinking of like those like kind of cheesy calendars or posters that are like, my fantasy man he does laundry and it's like you know like a shirtless guy with a laundry basket like smiling (laughs) like that Beck. every time he comes over he he does the laundry he plays with the boys he like fixes stuff around the house it's so over the top but also every time I genuinely fucking love it
3: (laughs) isn't there like legitimately a part of the story where like one of the kids
0: either like they spill spaghetti sauce on him and he is shirtless doing laundry because he put his shirt in (laughs) when she
1: gets home like (laughs) how does she resist oh my god the the boys are clean and fed and here i am and it's like oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) he cleaned the kitchen and started
3: more loads of laundry like dream man
2: (laughs) (laughs) yes so it's it's a mixture of that and then obviously like beckett and claire's relationship is up front we get some pov from the other brothers and the other two women setting up their books obviously and then as renata alluded to there is a small subplot where there is a rich dude who they grew up with who's obsessed with claire and won't leave her alone and he is very like oh like every time he's like oh like i'm gonna take you out for lunch she's like i can't i run a store and he's like oh, that doesn't matter. Have someone else cover it. Or like shows up at her house and is like, let me take you out for a drive. And she's like, I can't. I have three kids. And he's like, well, I'll call my rich mom and have her recommend an au pair for you so that you don't have to worry about those brats anymore. And she like shuts him down after he corners her in the store and like sexually assaults her basically, or attempts to. And then Avery comes in and interrupts it. And then he goes full stalker mode, And starts, like, following her around town and then breaks into her house on Halloween night and attempts to attack her and convince her that she should run away with him. And when she won't and fights back, he tries to assault her. But at that point, the ghost in the inn has made the brothers and the other two women aware that Claire's in trouble. So they rush over and are able to save her thanks to the ghost. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Becca proposes. And that's the book, really. Yeah. Not not that same night as the assault. No, he takes her and the kids to the beautiful house that he is in the process of building out in the country and shows it to them and talks about how he's gonna build extra rooms for a playroom for the kids and like make some like a basketball hoop and all of these things, and then asks her children if it's okay for him to ask her to marry him, and then goes back over to her and asks her to marry him.
0: Yeah, and somewhere in the middle, he gets two puppies for the family. Which one of my slight beefs is that they name the dogs Ben and Yoda, and I feel like that's not a match level of sci-fi dog name. I feel like it should have been Obi Wan and Yoda, because he's like, yeah, they, we named the dogs Ben like Ben Kenobi, and it's like, okay, but why not? Why not Obi Wan? Yeah,
1: it and- didn't. It didn't flow. It. It was definitely jarring. Well, and then they like have all these kids and these
3: dogs, and Yoda is obviously a dog and not one of the children but Ben could
1: be a child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did like that, you know, Nora, you know, I think she she generally does do like write children really well and I think these three in particular like of course they were like adorable, but they were also I think appropriately exhausting and at times whiny and sometimes puking. And so I do appreciate that realism.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like I was talking to a friend I was with last night about how like if you don't spend a lot of time around kids, people will look at you askance when you're like, oh, yeah, like my nephew's great. Like he's an asshole, but he's great. And it's like, yeah, that's because, like, kids are jerks. Like, you can (laughs) love them with your whole heart and care for them and take care of them. But also, like, sometimes they're just jerks because they're growing up and that's what they're doing. They're testing boundaries. It's part of growing up. And that was very clear in these kids who were, like, even at times with Beckett when he was, like, being all sweet with them, like, they are just, like, fucking little assholes. But he didn't overreact. Like, he was just like, okay, they're kids. They're having a food
3: fight at the table. I need to get this under control.
0: <laughs> I need to go do some shirtless laundry about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Think think some thoughts. I really liked how she showed that, like, Beckon didn't come in and immediately know how to, like, take care of things. I think if this had been, like, an 80s Nora book – the hero would have come in and been like, you're going to obey me. And the kids would be like, yes, we just needed a strong authority figure. <laughs> but that is not um, how these kids are being parented by Claire. And Beckett comes in and it's kind of like, he's like, well, this this could be an adventure to see how, I'll just try it out for the afternoon. And so I feel like he's just like trying out being a home homeowner and trying out being a family man. And he finds out that he like really likes it. And he has, like, he genuinely seems to have fun playing with the kids in a way that, like, Claire's like, oh, you don't have to do that. And he's like, no, I'm, like, I'm choosing to do this, so can you go away so we can finish playing with
0: all of our superheroes? So, um, and I just think it's so cute. Claire tries to woman-slay Deadpool to Beckett. She's like, (laughs) Deadpool. He's He's like, I know who Deadpool is. And I was like, yeah, it's like... Love this nerd representation. Like many superheroes, including Wolverine, are fully name dropped throughout this. It's, and Beckett like loves it. It's very cute.
2: And one of the things that I did ping about this that I can't remember if it's past Nora books that we've read or just past other books that we've read, where sometimes there are characters who are supposed to be around our age who read like they're like fully picked up from like a much older time like that they're yeah. not they're not in their 30s they're definitely like have the interests and whatever of people in their 50s and beckett and his brothers and i think like partially this was fueled by and actually now that i'm thinking about it it wasn't another nora book it was a different book that we read you know definitely like fueled by because like the kids are name dropping like all of these like power rangers and star wars and different superheroes that they like and this and that and the other thing that they're into different video games and those are also things that beckett and his brothers were interested in when they were kids and that tracks like they were all things Mm -hmm. too that like me and my brother were interested in when we were the age of the boys in this book so like it felt like he felt like a man in his 30s and not like a 50 year old man being written as a 35 year old man or however old he's supposed to be
1: yeah, I think it's always been helpful that Nora she raised like she had sons and so she's always written them, I think, in different ages into yeah. her books and it makes it more realistic. <laughs> I, I would say the pop
3: culture references um will kind of date the book because if you had a child today who was what like five years old, like the youngest boy Murphy is, he's like five, six, um, then He would be still talking about Paw Patrol and there is no Paw Patrol in this book. So (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it definitely
1: works we'll talk about. Yeah. And in my opinion, the book is better for it. We don't need that patrol. I have enough of that in my life.
0: (laughs) I have one complaint about the book that I would like to register and discuss now. And it's when Claire is helping one of the boys with his homework and he gets letter D and letter B mix up like lowercase D and lowercase B. And so she is trying to point out, okay, here's the direct quote. B is for butt and your butt's in the back. And so that's why B has a bump in the front. And I maintain that D is the letter that has a butt. Like if, if one of those two letters has a butt, it's d and i'm sorry but i'm not sorry we read left to right and so
3: <laughs> the b it's like if you're the way that you're reading it you get the line first and then the bubble for b and then when you're reading d you see the bubble first and then the line for d so it it yeah that that's how that tracks you read left to
0: right but you look at a letter You look at a letter all at once. Like, when you look at a person, you're not like, oh, I'm reading you left to right, so your butt is your stomach now. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you
3: don't. (laughs)
0: Like, I was reading this at work, and I came back from lunch, and I, my coworker and friend of the show, Anna, I was like hey and I wrote a lowercase D and B on a piece of paper and I was like which of these letters has a butt and because like she's worked with me for a long time she wasn't like what the fuck are you talking about? She was like <laughs> she was like D and I was like Yeah. And then I was like like this like <laughs> <book> it's
2: wrong. <laughs> See I I I think I that that's where I go too is that when when you're looking at a letter you start at the line and then you go to the B so the butt's in the back this does this does remind me of a bit from the show Game Changer, where one of the contestants was trying to pitch a keyboard where all of the letters were P's. <laughs> and when someone asked why the letter P, he was like, it's perfect. What is a, a, d, a lowercase d if not a P on its side? What is a lowercase b if not an upside down P? <laughs> what is
3: I was watching clips of that today, and I actually saw
0: that one. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I, so perfect. <laughs> I I think okay. You know, actually, this is something I was thinking about yesterday because I was listening to the the episode of the podcast "If Books Could Kill" and they were talking about "Men Are from Mars, Women Are from Venus," which is a book that our show has done, and they were going into it in like way more like legal depth than us. Because at first I was like, uh oh, another bad books podcast that's like way more popular than ours. Uh oh. And then I was like, no, we're just like such different experiences because, like, I'm never gonna read a legal brief to you, and, and they're never gonna—they're never gonna dare to tell you which letter has a butt. <laughs> and so like, I we think are not people, the same. We're not the same. <laughs> just like how D and B are not the same because only one of them has a butt. <laughs> And uh, listeners, I do, like, please weigh in. Please tell us what letters you think of but
3: <laughs> If you take away anything from this episode, this is what you need to really yeah. just, just sit with and think on which letter has a butt, B or D. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I mean, just to weigh in myself, I think that, like, I don't know if I was sleep deprived, but when I read that, I was literally, like, what the F are you talking about? Like I like, literally was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't get it. And I just like moved on. So for, I guess for some of us, um, not none of the letters look like they have butts.
0: <laughs> interesting. Interesting. I also think lowercase w has a butt. If you write a curvy w and not a pointy w. Wow. That is correct.
3: It's either like a, like half a mustache or, or a butt. You're right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, also lowercase Q. <laughs> That's a Stay
2: butt. tuned for our spin-off podcast where we just tell you about <laughs> letters and tell you how and why each of them have butts.
0: Yeah, we're we're breaking books down even further into their smallest component, <laughs> which is letters. <laughs> we'll read a we'll read a Nora Roberts book one letter at a time and tell you about butter. <laughs> <laughs> and and if books could kill is that is simply not going to do that for you no <laughs> um okay good i'm really glad we got into that I'm, I'm glad i have this off my soul now and it is interesting that we didn't come to a consensus because i really still feel that it's very obvious that d has a butt but <laughs>
3: okay so two people on this podcast right now think that B has a butt and D does not. One person doesn't think any letters have butts, and then you think the opposite. So I do think that we have a majority. I agree. I didn't. And you in the wrong. It.
1: Oh, That's- Emily's throwing down. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know, and all of it I'm shocked by because I really just thought I would bring this up and I would be like, yeah, that's weird, D has a butt, but I'm shocked that that's not the case. Um, I don't think that this means that I'm wrong, I'm just shocked by it. Well, I think it means it- you're wrong.
3: Yeah, I do too, and it's okay, You can. we all get to choose our hills and this can, the, the, the butt letter. <laughs> yeah, and,
0: and what is a hill if not half of a butt? <laughs> <laughs> oh no or a, or a boob
1: oh yeah
0: <laughs> um and you know what though if if i can read this whole novel and that's my biggest complaint i think that's that's pretty good because a lot of books have way worse problems it's true and, and some would say this isn't even a problem yeah so... like me and <laughs> emily <laughs> i just um
1: um Anyway, what room did you guys stay in the- in Binsboro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we stayed at Marguerite and Percy. Uh, it is the only double bedroom for those who-, who wish to travel with their friends and don't wish to snuggle up close. It's the it's the option. And it's on the first floor. And it's the only one without a tub, but it has a beautiful yeah. bathroom still. <laughs> so no soaking, but still a beautiful, beautiful room. It's the inn is like way more gorgeous in person than it is online and it's it, and they took some pretty good pictures of it online
2: when i was looking at the website at first i was like i wish that there was more detail you know more because there's like some other BNBs that i've stayed at where it's essentially they offer like a photo walkthrough of the whole place where it's right like this is this and this is that and i was like i wish i saw more of it but after reading this book now i'm like no like i'm glad that i haven't seen it yet because I'm excited to go and see it in comparison to the book. And it matches up
3: like almost to like a scary degree. Does it match? But it is literally one of the most like relaxing and beautiful and best service places I have ever stayed in my life. It was so wonderful. And um, I'm so excited for you guys to go. I can't wait to hear about it.
0: Okay, so Kate and I are also staying in the Marguerite and Percy room because of Mm -hmm. the the two beds situation. I'm going to pull a a mini dramatic reading right now and read you the description in the book of it. Yes. We had to work with the footprint of the building and the ADA code, going with two full-size beds, night table between, with this great old ornate lamp that was my grandmother's. You're putting family things in there? Here and there when they work. Mom wants to. I think that's lovely and special. The beds go in front of the windows? Right. Cane headboards and we'll dress up behind them with treatments for style and privacy. Cane benches with fancy fabric pads at the feet, fancy bed skirts, some sort of big ornate mirror for this wall as you come in. Cream walls and crown molding, soft blue ceiling. A blue ceiling. For some reason, it struck her wonderfully romantic. She wondered why she'd never thought of painting her ceilings anything other than flat white. She supposed she'd forgotten how to be romantic. It sounds very French. I never asked what you're doing as far as dressing the beds. After considerable, occasionally heated debate, we're going with high-end sheets. White or, what is it, ecru, depending on the room. Down alternative, all-weather duvet, covered by another sheet rather than spread or quilts or whatever. Lots of pillows with neutral tone linen shams, possibly a bedroll, and cashmere throw things. Cashmere throws? I'm so booking a room. Peacock feathers. Is that some sort of curse? There should be peacock feathers somewhere. I know they're supposed to be bad luck, but they just feel French and opulent. Note to self. Peacock feathers. And then they describe the bathroom, but I'll stop. Just... Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. I want to go. I hope there's peacock feathers. I hope there's a casual throw.
1: Yeah, like I was obsessed with the bed. In fact, when I came home, I was like, I have to do my bed different. Like I like redid my bed because oh. I like loved, loved, loved the look of the bed, the feel of the bed. I love the bed. I would take it home with me if I could.
3: She, yeah, she started sending me pictures of all the different pieces. And then she's like, all right, so here's my bed. Does it look Boonesboro, and I like,
1: <laughs> right. I think they describe the library in the book as well in another chapter, which is mm-hmm. this very like long, skinny room. And I think he talks about that and about how they were going to like use the space and how they were going to mix like you know the books on the bookshelves were going to be a mix of like contemporary and all genres, and all of that is true. We we sat in there enough hours to uh, to confirm.
3: So when we were there in September, we desperately wanted it to be like have those fall vibes, but it was still summer, of course. And so it was very warm and I had only packed like sweaters, um, and,
0: uh,
3: so, but we still like spend our so much time in the library and they have like a Keurig up there and a mini fridge with like some drinks and stuff. And uh, we would turn on the fireplace, even though it was incredibly hot outside because we were like, no, you... <laughs> That's, we're just we're setting a scene we need the atmosphere. It was our favorite room. That was a room that we spent the most time in other than our own yeah
1: apologies to anyone else staying there because they didn't get to use the library they <laughs> we like we were just like in the library all the time you know but it's fine
2: <laughs> yeah it is supposed to get chilly while we're there not as cold as it's going to be here. We are missing some below zero days while we are down in Boonesboro yeah. here in Boston. But it is, you know, well, one of the days we're there, it's like 50 degrees. But the other two days, <laughs> it's it's
0: chilly. That sounds like that will be very cozy. Yeah. Yeah, we're bringing books. We're bringing board games. I'm excited for just like a, some chill vibes. Yeah some warm chill vibes
1: yeah that's good to hear that that's kind of like the vibe you guys are going for because you know Boonesboro is a very small town um and so and so there's it's you know you're gonna hit you're gonna hit Boonesboro hit the hit the highlights in and, an afternoon walk well, at the at the most like uh
3: yeah. <laughs> um, if you and- meander and pop into a couple of places you you could make it last a couple hours
1: Maybe, yeah. Because you walk. I mean, if you walk one direction, in in half a mile, you are like literally in nowhere. And I think it's probably the same the other direction. I, we didn't even walk the other direction because it may be even quicker that it, <laughs> that the road ends. But you know, so you hit up the coffee shop, you hit up the the gift shop and the bookstore. Go to Dan's, and you've uh, you kind of covered Boonesboro at that point. So they do have a couple of like
3: small museums there, and I think anytime. Um you're like around a battlefield there mm-hmm. are like the little like local museums that you can go through and so there are two museums but they're only open on the fourth sunday of every month oh so well. if you're not going there then, then you're not you're not <laughs> gonna see
0: <laughs> that's very specific very i specific. know yeah it was funny in the book when they're like oh boonesboro doesn't have anywhere for tourists to stay because people can come and like see harper's ferry and see the battlefields and like I- i'm a moderate history nerd and i'll definitely do some historical tourism but i'm kind of like is there a is there a big demand to go have a cozy B to stay in while you go to this like battlefield there are so <laughs>
3: many Bs around like in the uh, like the other towns around Boonesboro that are around this battlefield. So yes, I think so. People want to go to like cozy B and B's around the gently rolling hills of this one-time battlefield.
1: Though I have to say the people we encountered at specifically the in Boonsboro mm-hmm. they're not like oh my god we're here because my you know we're such big civil war fan that is literally no one said that everyone <laughs> yeah. is obsessed with Nora Roberts who says yeah. at in Boonsboro <laughs> like that's that's uh, that's the niche they just can't say that in in the uh, in the next always they can't be like oh i we're building this because of the the best selling author that everyone's obsessed <laughs> with <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, so when we were there, there were um, there was one, um, like, single lady who was there. Well, she was there alone, but she's actually married. Um, and uh, she was staying at the inn, and we got to talk to her at breakfast a couple of times, and she was lovely. Hey, Kelly. Um, and then there were also two in-death fans um, who were there at the same time. And then there was one other couple that were in um, Elizabeth and Darcy, and they, like, had their food taken up to them, and they they were in their room busy doing what it is couples do in in cozy bed and breakfasts. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they were not social, but everybody else was like, how many Norahs have you read? What's your favorite? What do you, you know, like how many times have you been to the inn? And so we asked the innkeeper like, hey, if there are any empty rooms, would we be able to get a tour of them? And so we were able to tour all of the rooms. We got to check out Elizabeth and Darcy after the couple left and we got to see all of that. And then the in-depth fans were in um, Tatiana and Oberon and that was the only room we hadn't seen. And so we chatted with them at breakfast one day and they're like, oh sure, come on up. And so we got to go up (gasps) into their room and see everything. So everyone was incredibly friendly, even with all the COVID protocols and social distancing stuff, we were still able to chat. So Get ready for some probably very friendly um, co-guests at the same time that you're there. (laughs) Right.
2: Hell yeah. We're thinking of if there is like a tap room open going to one of those, or I am interested in if it is open while we were there, the antique market, because I always fucking love an antique market. Did you guys do any of those things while you were there?
1: We went to a meadery. (laughs) The meadery was on our list. Yes. Yes. And- I feel like this time of year may be more enjoyable because we were like being harassed by bees when we were there, <laughs> which, which, which makes sense. It's a meadery. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But, uh, but we were like, oh, let's sit outside. Let's not sit outside. The they're, they're bees, the bees. <laughs> we got outside and we're
3: sipping our mead. I took a couple of pictures for Instagram with like the beautiful sunshine glinting off of our glasses of mead. And then we went right back inside because there were bees everywhere. <laughs>
1: yeah well well emily lusted after a large man with a beard but. <laughs> oh my gosh
3: there was a beautiful like lumberjack man there and um,
1: he definitely he like party. he was in a kilt wasn't he
0: oh my he was. god <laughs> yeah. wow that's I a was, plant. yeah that's a plan from the nora roberts complex it was beautiful
3: um yeah, we had a great time. Um, and the metery was wonderful. I can't guarantee you're gonna have the same kind of experience there, but maybe you will. Maybe he just he's on
1: staff and he
0: just hangs out to like add to the ambiance. You never know. I wouldn't put it past them. With the amount of detail they put into the tiles, like surely they're not above like paying some kilt plants to be around. <laughs> <laughs> so Across the,
3: so the inn is on a corner and right across the street is Dan's um, tap house and tavern. And we ate there two nights and um, it was absolutely delicious. Really good. Uh, we got chocolate cake to take back with us and we like snuggled in our bed and oh. watched um, You've Got Mail and ate chocolate yes. cake in our bathrobes yes. yes. with face masks on. Yes.
0: It yes. was wonderful. Yes.
3: yes. <laughs> um, I was supposed to, I had purchased a copy of one of Nora's uh, lifetime book to movie adaptations and i was supposed to bring it with me but i left it at home Uh, (laughs) yeah we didn't watch that we watched you've got mail and then when heidi came back to missouri for christmas we watched that together but um that was a fail on my part and it was Uh, carnal
1: innocence wasn't it i think it was yeah (laughs) (laughs) which we talked about with you guys like a couple months after that anyway (laughs)
3: um so – but they do have – every room has a TV and a DVD player in it, and then they have a collection of DVDs so that you can, like, pick something to watch if you, you know, didn't bring something with you. Um, and there are rom-coms and things like that. Um, so that's an option for you guys to do. I definitely suggest, like, bringing some face masks, masks with you and just lounging in your, your luxury robes and and just making a self-care day of it.
1: Yeah. I'm all over that. I feel like they should have done more, like, girlfriends traveling rooms because, honestly, like, I would, I get it's, like, a cozy B&B or whatever, but I would definitely prefer to be there with Emily than with my husband.
0: <laughs> yeah. So.
1: You can't appreciate the way I no. can appreciate it. It's like, you don't get it. You don't get it. <laughs> you don't
0: know. So, yeah. Does the inn provide bathrobes or is it a BYO bathrobe?
1: They provide they the bathrobes. Oh, yeah. my God. Yes, yes. I yeah, might I was bring like, everybody, we're putting anyway. these on.
0: <laughs> yes.
3: And they were lovely. They were.
1: Yeah. Also have to shout out the the food situation at the inn is like top notch. The breakfast is legit. And then you also you the, we we really struggled with the kind of being able to consume all the food we wanted to consume because we would get so full from breakfast and then we would like eat this late lunch and then you get back to the inn and they're like here's your here, are you ready for your wine and you know cheese platter or whatever and we're like oh my god and we're
3: not <laughs> we're not the kind of girls to turn down a wine and cheese no, platter like, like, of course mm-hmm. we are
1: <laughs> But yeah, it was a, it was it was a struggle to pace ourselves on the food front, but okay, no, that's good no to know. Good, Yes,
0: good to the, plan for.
1: And Heidi is a
3: vegetarian, so it like they she would have to. She told them when we got there, like, "Hey, I, I'll want the vegetarian options." And her breakfast was still incredibly filling. Like it wasn't like sometimes when you go somewhere and you're like, "I'm a vegetarian," they're like, "Oh, here's some lettuce leaves
0: mm. and some
3: tomatoes." enjoy this. And everyone else is having these like really wonderful meals and you're like, okay. Uh, but no. Heidi, you liked the vegetarian breakfast. I've, yeah, I've described i described them for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. They, like, I, I like couldn't even recall that like anything was missing. Um Oh, good.
0: Yeah. Yes. I, I too am vegetarian. I, I called in advance because the website says like call in advance if you're vegetarian. And I was like, uh-oh. But I did. And um, I, I look forward to seeing what I receive.
1: Yeah. It'll be amazing. Honestly. All the
3: food was so good. So good. Oh, that's exciting.
0: I'm excited.
3: I'm
2: I'm also excited excited
0: to not go to work for two days. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, That's a secondary excitement to the excitement of being there. All of it. Uh, By the way, one food thing to circle back to. We did mention that that Vesta has burned down. And so is there other pizza to be had in Boonesboro? Like this book made me crave pizza so much. There's a Casey's. I I did grow up with Casey's pizza. I wouldn't say no to Casey's pizza. kate might leave kate's from the
2: greater new york area and has very strong pizza opinions
1: listen boonesboro has a population of less than four (laughs) thousand. Yeah, yeah we went we went off walking to try to see if we could find like we were like maybe we should go to a different place to eat besides dan's and i was like well there's this place like like half a mile away and we walked and then (laughs) i just want to ever forget emily being like it's a gas station. <laughs> so we turned around and we walked back. <laughs> you make me sound super snobby, but um... no, it was it was like utter <laughs> shock and surprise we I thought we thought we were walking towards like a real restaurant, um, and it wasn't. So it was a gas station. It was yeah. a gas station. Um,
3: so if you guys are like to actually, there's not tons to do in the town of Boonesboro. So after you hit the Nora highlights, the bookstore the gift shop the Inn um, dance tavern, there's not a ton else there. Um, there is a coffee shop um, that has really delicious coffees but they're very sweet the all of the like specialty drinks that were there um, but they're tasty. And then there was a like a clothing boutique on the corner but I can't remember I think I was looking at Google Maps stuff and that might have closed down. And so I, I don't know what else is going to be like there and open in town. But you can do like a Nora kind of tour of the area because Nora grew up there. So she writes a lot of her stories kind of set in that area. And then we went over into Shepherdstown, of Virginia. Some of the Stolansky stories from the 80s, 90s, those are set in Shepherdstown, And so you can walk around there. It's like a college town. There's some really good restaurants over there. We ate at a Mexican
1: restaurant. Yeah, and Shepherdstown has a lot more yes. like they have a more like full town square situation with you know um more restaurants and they have like all these cute painted benches it's just like a little more you know young and vibrant than uh, than actual Boonesboro is what a treat I can't wait I want to give a shout out to to Vesta
0: pizzeria because everyone in this book is constantly they eating pizza like every day Day these bitches eat pizza, and then it made me laugh so much when at one point Beckett's like, "I'll I'll pick a pizza for the kids," and she's like, "No, they've had too much pizza. Make it spaghetti." And I was like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, what? I love I love that your children have a diet that is just alternates between pizza and spaghetti. I, I was
1: like, I was like, that's just carbs and sauce in a different <laughs> form. But sure, I,
0: yeah, like I don't know if nutritionally that's like really a, a much of a significant difference, but she didn't she did make them get a side salad though so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <sighs> one other thing i I liked back to the book is that casually claire mentioned like getting on the pill because she was maybe gonna go on a date with becca and i was like yeah like casual birth control
1: <laughs> yeah because honestly Nora's nora's books don't like, talking about birth control is, like, far from a given. I, I think it's for actually fairly rare for her to, like, mention um any sort of birth control. It's just assumed. It's assumed that people are being safe.
3: Yeah. Except for in the
1: 80s. Everyone was getting accidentally
3: pregnant. Oh, right. right. Well, of course. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were all virgins. This is the first time they were having
1: sex. And they're, they're like, like, I didn't even you know. Get pregnant. <laughs>
0: Also, there's a part where Ryder steals a Coke from his brother and says, quote, give me that Coke. If you're going to lecture me, I deserve a nice little treat. And I just pulled that because I feel like that's like my, my, especially since pandemic started, but just like my enduring philosophy is like, I do deserve a nice little treat. <laughs> treat yourself.
3: I say that to myself all the time. Yes. yes. Usually when I'm like, should I pay this bill or should I buy this thing that I don't need but really want? Treat yourself.
2: Listen. Sometimes you just need the endorphin. Yes. <laughs> just... but yeah, this book slaps. Um, I'm looking forward to reading the second one, and then I'll probably read the third one, to be honest, because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my assumption is that, and like this isn't a spoiler, I don't think, based on the dynamics between the characters that Avery and Owen get together in the next book. And then Hope and Ryder, who hate each other, will get together
3: in the third book. Do I have a surprise twist for you? That's exactly how that goes.
0: Because I also wouldn't hate it if Avery and Hope got together, but yeah. like, that's not. Oh my it. gosh. Oh, we're not there yet. Not there yet. The <laughs> way there. that these girls guess themselves up, they're like, Hope is so beautiful. Like, you have to be her. She's so beautiful. She's like the smartest and the best. Like, she's like they're obsessed <laughs> with Hope, and I love it. Um, I also, I don't want to talk too much about Owen because we are definitely reading his book next. But like, I loved Owen. He's like the fussy brother who's like, I have a binder. This isn't my binder. And the other brothers are like, <laughs> uh i do tools i don't need a binder and she's like you do need a binder though and i'm like yeah you do need a binder <laughs> <I> <laughs>
3: think- he's like i made this binder for you and i already labeled all of the parts of it here you go and they're like i am never going to use this he's like you will you will use it <laughs> and we <they> do begrudgingly <laughs> on some parts
0: yeah um does anybody have anything else they want to say about the book before we move into dramatic readings or the town of Boonsboro itself
1: um, no, I just, you know, we, we talked briefly about the ghost and all I've thought about was Emily and I recently did In the Garden, like we recorded it, it hasn't come out yet. And, um, and this was this was a night, nice, it was a, it was an homage, it felt like, but like much nicer because the ghost in In the Garden, um, is, uh. She crazy. She, she's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys read the In the Garden
3: trilogy yet? No.
1: No. When you guys invite us back one day. yeah That's what we'll read. Excellent. Yeah. There's some like more age representation in that trilogy. There's a uh a, one of our heroines is in her upper forties with cool. grown children, so good stuff.
2: Excellent. Well, we'll we'll put a note in it for next, uh, next February.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know what? I will read this one quote I pulled because again, we by by choice didn't go deep into the plot, but after Claire's stalker, Sam gets arrested, they're talking about, like, how he's gonna go to jail, and da-da-da, and, like, how he's mentally ill, and I do think if I have one little pushback on Nora, I mean, I have two, because one is that, again, D has a butt and not B, but the other <laughs> one is that uh, maybe her, her takes on, like, crime and mental illness aren't the best, but it's so, um, it's such a minor part of it that I'm like, ah, whatever, like, she clearly just sort of, like, wanted to put a little bow on this and wrap it up and like, it's fine. It's, it's not the best, but like, it's whatever. So here's this quote I'm going to pull. Hope talked to a friend of hers, a psychiatrist in DC. She said, best guess, as she hasn't talked to him or observed him, this was classic stalker behavior with narcissism tossed in. He'd grown more and more obsessed with me, convinced I wanted to be with him, but kept stringing him along, adding in the kids who were an obstacle. It was one thing when I wasn't seeing anyone, but my relationship with you caused a kind of psychotic break. Basically, he went off the rails. And like, A, ooh, is this a tie-in to the Brazen Innocence universe, um, the psychiatrist in D.C., and B, you know, obviously most mentally ill people do not break into homes and like do this gross stalker thing. Um, That's, you know, whatever.
2: Also, I felt, I agree with all that, obviously. But also, I felt like she should have trusted her writing more, because all of that was clear from the book. Like, we didn't need Claire to come out at the end and explain what just happened to us, because it was very clear in the actual events as they were happening.
0: Yeah, we didn't need this even, like, half-hearted attempt to diagnose him. Yes, You know, because it
2: was like, yeah, like he's been obsessed with her. We know that. That's pointed out in the book. Like, once we get a POV bit from him, where how now that he's seen Beckett coming out of her house, like he's furious that she would play with him like this and is going to ramp it
0: up. Like, we know all of this. Right. Because, like, he's so recognizable as this kind of like obsessive, entitled creep that I feel like to be like, it's a psychotic break lessens it when you're like, plenty of domestic abusers are just like, creepy entitled men thanks patriarchy and like i feel like we didn't need this little bow on it yeah
1: yeah now i yeah i agree with all that i also love your like pull about about brazen with that it could be tess (laughs) who who, hope's friend is that's kind of amazing
0: i I mean i think we know there's only one psychiatrist in dc right
1: exactly (laughs) honestly yes yeah
0: (laughs) um but again, this is just such a minor part of it. And overall, it was a really delightful read. Maybe my new favorite Nora book. I don't know. Wow. Don't know. Even more that. so than the Panther one. Yeah, and I knew you were gonna mention that. Because I will say the one ding, and I'm gonna get into this my dramatic reading, is the lack of cats in yes. this book. But it did have less crime, like the crime ratio really was in my favor, and it had like I really did love all the cute superhero banner with the boys. And it didn't have that weird, like, mild Native American appropriation. Yeah. So it's at least dead even with Black Hills.
1: I, I really am anxious to hear, after you read all three, if this one stays your favorite.
0: Yeah, because I, again, I'm really excited for Owen's book. So. Yeah, we're going to listen to Owen's book on the
2: drive down. And I think offline, Renata, we're going to have to have a discussion about how fast you listen to audiobooks.
0: <laughs> I was thinking that, too. I can compromise. Okay. We can compromise. So-
3: Renata, what what speed do you listen yeah, to? Yeah, what speed? We have to know.
0: Well, I, I hardly ever listen to audiobooks. I prefer podcasts, but when I do, like I'm I'm wanting to enjoy the vocal performance. I'm listening at 1.0 baby. I'm listening wow. at I know. And Kate listens at like more than two X sometimes. And I'm wow. like Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but like occasionally, I don't know. I think I guess you get used to it. Occasionally I've accidentally bumped it up. Faster and not realize for a minute and been like, why why are they talking so fast? Like I'm stressed. Like what's the urgency? Why are they talking so fast?
3: You do get used to it because I I listen to my audio. I listen to a ton of audiobooks and I listen on 1.5 or 1.75. And if I try to bump it down, like I was on an like uh, an audiobook award. Um, like listening committee mm-hmm. one year and you have to listen to them at one speed because you're also checking it for like production value and all of those things. And it was so awful. Like, I don't know if yeah. I'll <laughs> be able to do it again because I was like, these people talk so slow. Why are they breathing between every single word? Like It was so <laughs> slow. It was painful. <laughs> and that's that's how I feel.
2: Like when I listen, I feel like generally... is like measured speaking conversational speed. Yes. Sometimes like I want to go faster than that. Sometimes if we're listening to a really bad book, I want to go much faster so I can get through it quicker. And sometimes like today, I realize I have less than 24 hours to finish a seven hour book. So we're clapping along at like 2.5 so that I can fit it all in in between the other things I have to do.
3: There was one – I run a team book club at my work, and um, I usually listen to the audiobook versions as I'm, like, doing other work uh, because I try not to do work tasks uh, when I'm not getting paid. So nice um, so I was um, listening, and I still had so much of this book left to go, and I had, like, six hours before book club. I, I pushed that baby up to 3.0, and uh, it was fast, but I got it done. Yeah. That's
1: yeah, what I, I mean, I. I'm on the slower team. I uh, I I feel like I've been worried if I take it up, I won't ever be able to kind of, as you said, slow back down. <laughs> so I recently listened to a nonfiction on one point two five, and that's the most I've ever gone up. What
3: nonfiction did you listen to?
1: Good inside. Oh okay. Yeah, you know, it's it's my Your Goodreads try, always hides what trying you're Trying to be a good a good moming, so reading, <laughs> reading some some mom book. Well, just like this, you'll be a great mom, just like Claire.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, but yeah, Kate. Well, I'm sure we can arrive at a sensible compromise yes. audio speed. Um, but for now, at at our current pace, I think Emily, you are up first for dramatic reading.
3: Okay. Um, I don't think I've ever done a dramatic reading before. All of my readings are dramatic. Um, <laughs> yes, of course. I- uh so I'm, I'm just gonna do my best
0: that's all we, that's all anyone can do
3: yes um <laughs> uh, this is in chapter 10 it's when claire is stuck at home after her kids uh, two of her kids have had like a bad stomach bug and she is about to like rip her hair out from the frustration of of these children who she loves but she would really like for them to go back to school so i'm hungry i want my soup Getting his appetite back was a good sign. However, Harry, I told you, we're out. Marmy and Grandad are bringing more. But I'm hungry now. I can fix you something else. I have chicken noodle or alphabet soup. I don't want those. I want chicken and stars. Then you'll have to wait. They'll be here soon. Why can't they be here now? Feeling her patience fray, Claire reminded herself how pale and pitiful he'd looked the night before. They'll be here soon. It's the best I can do, Harry. Ten minutes of quiet now, and I have to check on the laundry. She figured she'd be lucky to get five minutes of quiet, but that didn't rate as Murphy followed her into the kitchen. I'm hungry, too. I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Honey, we're out of bread. More's coming. How come we don't have anything I want? Because your brothers got sick and ate all the eggs and bread and soup, and I couldn't go to the store yesterday. Why? Because Harry and Liam got sick. With her head beginning to throb, she dumped the load of dry sheets in the basket. If they get to stay home tomorrow or from school tomorrow, I'm staying home too. And that's my my section. <laughs> There's something so domestic about that scene. You know that she loves her kids and she loves being at home, but this is like not a good day. Yeah, but she no. still stays as patient as she can and is trying to work with these kids. And poor Murphy just wants her to come and play with him. Um, I think later on he's like, You have to come upstairs and play with me. No one ever plays with me. And she's like, I played with you this morning. And he's like, what? No, you played with all three of us. You have to play with just me. This poor child.
0: He just needs some one-on-one attention.
1: Yeah. That was was relatable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. My dramatic reading is just a little scene of Claire and Becca talking about the boys and their desire for a dog. And... And not a cat, which, again, questionable. So, Peckett says, kittens are for girls. Cats, no, they can go either way. You know that's ridiculous. I don't make the rules. What kind of dog do they want? They don't know. She sighed because the boys were wearing her down on the subject. It's the idea of a dog they're in love with. I'm also told a dog would protect me from the bad guys when they're not around. I'd go to the pound and adopt one, save a life. But how can you be sure that the puppy you save won't turn into a big, mean dog that barks at the mail carrier and terrorizes the neighbors? I need to research family-friendly breeds. You know Rye's dog. Everybody knows D.A. Ryder takes him everywhere. He's a sweetheart. Hell of a good dog. You know how Rye got him? No, I guess I don't. He was a stray. Six or seven months old, the vet figured. Ryder's out at his place one night after work, putting some time into the house he built. It's getting on dark, he's knocking off, and this dog comes crawling in. Bone thin, his paws bleeding, shivering, it's pretty clear he'd been out in the woods a while. More than likely, somebody dumped him. Poor thing. Ryder figures he can't just leave him there, so he'll take him back home. He stayed with mom a lot until he had the house closed in. So he'd feed him, clean him up a little, give him a place to flop for the night. He'd take him to the pound in the morning. That was six years ago. I guess it was love at first sight. We asked around in case he'd run away, gotten lost. No collar, no tag, nobody claimed him. By the morning, I can tell you, Rye would have been brokenhearted if someone had. And yet, he named him dumbass. Affectionately, and all all too often, accurately. (laughs) I just I love I love a garbage pet as we all know I love my garbage son Duarte um <laughs> if listeners don't know or don't recall literally found him in the garbage and he is my garbage boy and this take that kittens are for girls I mean I think this we do need to talk about toxic masculinity and what it is doing to <laughs> our boys robbing them of kittens one of the one of the best things this is what we mean when we say that toxic masculinity hurts everyone because kittens are among the greatest things in this world
1: we have a cat and my son says that she is his sister and um (laughs) she was also I mean basically a garbage cat because her mom showed up at Emily and I's door when we lived together 14 years ago and had babies and she was one of the babies (laughs) yes
3: Riley cat oh such a sweetheart so so many parts of this book are so like the opposite of toxic masculinity, like Beckett helping out with all of these chores, all three of the Montgomery boys are very like, they were raised by a single mother. So they were like, there are chores and they just need to be done. There's no girl chores or boy chores. There's just they like work that has to be done. And um, I like that, like even like division of labor ideas. Um, but yes, this kitten thing is a glaring hole of <laughs> <laughs> um Anything that, like, brings people joy, that, like, why would that be – why should boys not also get to enjoy the joy that is an adorable kitten?
0: Boys like adorable things, too. Absolutely. And and I do think they're joking a little bit, but I do <laughs> – or at least, like, he knows it's a little silly, but I think he also does kind of feel that about kittens.
2: It, yes. It makes me think about, like, every once in a while, one of those, like, what was, like, a weird thing that you thought as a kid that's not true goes around. And very many people respond always saying, like, I thought all cats were girls and all dogs were boys.
0: <laughs> yes. I like yes. thought in one of the books that we read, like, one, last year, one of the characters said that because I remember having this conversation. It's possible.
3: But I do think in many ways Beckett has like examined any sort of like holdovers from like being raised in this small Maryland town of being like, that doesn't make sense. But this kitten one is just a blind spot for him. (laughs) And maybe after he said those words out loud, he was like, huh, I need to to self-reflect on this. I hope that Beckett spends the rest of the book doing that. And post book, he realizes kittens are also good for boys. So yes, I have hope for him.
0: I, like, what I imagine is that next year for Christmas, Claire receives a calendar that's like shirtless men doing chores and Beckett receives a kitten calendar and then every month he can look at a new kitten and then they both are happy.
1: Love and I, I also
0: think this is Nora's, like, strong pro-dog bias that she does have it is a noted, known pro-dog bias. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right.
0: Like, dogs are good. I can't I can't argue that, like, dogs are good the cats are good also for all genders
3: i definitely think that Nora roberts has like the homeward bound in balance there were two dogs to that one cat
0: yeah yes yeah there is that
2: yes so yeah all right i'm gonna do our last dramatic reading which is uh beckett who is preparing himself to go trick-or-treating with claire and the boys what the hell are you doing "'Putting on my cape,' Beckett said as he tied a bright red cloth around his shoulders. He pulled on safety goggles, work gloves, before handing Owen a roll of duct tape. "'Use this to put a big X on my chest. Center it up.' "'Who the hell are you supposed to be?' Ryder demanded. Beckett dipped his chin, checked Owen's work. "'I'm Carpenter X. Faster than a skill saw, more powerful than a nail gun. I fight for truth, justice, and plum corners. That's so lame.' I bet the kids don't think so. I bet I get more candy than you. Out of pity, Ryder called out as Beckett walked out. Pretty good for a costume on the fly, Owen commented. Yeah, not bad, but I'm not telling him that. Vesta buzzed. A lot of people, Beckett noted, had the same idea. Get some pizza before hitting Main Street. He saw Avery, long blonde wig tied back, tossing dough to the delight of her audience of pint-sized superheroes, fairy princesses, and ghouls. Hannah Montana, he called out. She tapped the plastic wood-grained steak in her belt before she caught the dough. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Cute. Not if you're a vampire. Amused, he walked over to the booth of superheroes, checked out Claire. She made one hell of a storm of the X-Men, he decided, in a white punk-style wig and snug black skirt and thigh-high boots. Excuse me, ma'am. I'm looking for three boys. They're about this high. He used his hand to measure like steps. They go by Harry, Liam, and Murphy. Murphy. I'm sorry, I haven't seen them. I'm Storm, and these are my friends and co-workers, Wolverine, Iron Man, and Deadpool. Pleased to meet you. I'm Carpenter X. You're Beckett, Murphy said, and slid off his seat, pointed up. By day, I'm Beckett Montgomery, brilliant architect, handsome man about town. But at night, when evildoers walk the streets, I'm Carpenter X, defender of Boonesboro and the Tri-State area. Do you got superpowers? I have my keen wits, my cat-like agility, and super strength. He plucked up the miniature Deadpool, lifted him overhead and onto his shoulders. It's us, Murphy leaned down to whisper in Beckett's ear. It's Murphy and Harry and Liam and Mom. Wait a minute. He lifted Murphy off, held him out. You mean all this time you didn't tell me you were Deadpool? Just for Halloween, Murphy lifted up his mask. See? How about that? He dropped down Murphy onto his lap. You sure had me fooled. It's very cute. He's very cute with these children. Very cute.
1: It's so very cute. cute. I have to say, though, was like Hannah Montana a big enough phenomenon that that would be a 30-something-year-old man's like first thought? Like, a woman is wearing a blonde wig, and he's like, are you Hannah Montana? That, like, threw me off so much.
3: I have never been able to get past this scene. Like, so she's got this long blonde wig on. I'm sure she's not using a hairnet. What if it like those like fibers get into like some pizza dough or something? I, I've always been like, ew, wig hair, it's gonna get in the food. <laughs> but also the Hannah Montana thing, but mostly the wig
2: yeah.
0: hair food. I'm trying to, like 2011. I mean, I would say
2: I was still selling books in 2010, and Hannah Montana was still like the big thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I, just, no, I just was surprised. Isn't it weird that a
3: 30-something 30- or a 20-something-year-old woman would dress up as Hannah Montana, a tween pop sensation?
1: And then that weird. would be his first thought. Like, oh, you're Hannah Montana. <laughs> but, you know, he's it, just trying to be relevant, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just, let's move on to Reader's Advisory and suggest some books to read instead of or in addition to this one.
1: We have some other Nora ones. One that popped into my head was – from the I mean you can read the whole like McCaid universe. There's like a lot of tie-ins. The one that popped specifically in my head was Devin McCade, which is the third book in that. And it has it has a lot of some of these, you know, pulls like she like our heroine is a single mom and we have that like I've loved you from afar for like ever kind of trope. And there's also some some scary moments with um with her ex husband. So anyway, so I think uh, Devin McC- the Heart of Devin McCade is a uh, is a good potential read if you really like this one.
3: It's also set in that same area of Maryland, mm. and it also has a bed and breakfast and a ghost in it. <laughs> right, yeah. <I> so,
1: <laughs> Several similarities.
3: There are Every several day. similarities. Um, the Return of Rafe McCade is also it's the first book in that series, um, and they are renovating the um, the inn. But it definitely gives me more writer hope vibes than the vibes of this book okay
0: Mm -hmm. so
3: but i I think the mccades are a wonderful read like after you read the the in Boonesboro, if you want to go back and reread but it they these were 90s books so you're gonna have to allow for some grace yeah because i feel Mm -hmm. like the Mm -hmm. montgomery brothers are the more enlightened version of the (laughs) mccade brothers okay Okay. in many respects (laughs) I also recommend the Netflix movie, Falling in Love. It's about this perfectionist career lady who heads to, I think it's New Zealand, to renovate an old house and turn it into a B&B. And she falls in love with a super hot carpenter. And it's beautiful. It's a beautifully shot movie and totally like hits all those like sweet spots of like, I would just toss away my life and move to another country and not worry about visas. It's wonderful.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, mostly I just think like read read this one. <laughs> yeah,
2: HGTV. Oh, I I would probably re- be remiss if I didn't tell people to read season of love if they like that kind of like everyone in this town knows each other and is friends and they're you know working hard to turn this like local inn into a tourist spot and
0: falling in love along the way. Yes, true. Shout out, friend of the show Helena Greer.
3: Well, I'm already adding it to my Goodreads list, so thanks for that.
0: Yay. You're welcome. Um, we'll have this list at worstbestsellers.com. whatever. I would like to play a quick round of Fucking Mary and Killing, our favorite Bill O'Reilly inspired game. And I have two rounds. Um the first is Fucking Mary and Killing, of course, of the Montgomery Brothers, Beckett, Owen, and Ryder.
2: Okay, I can do this one. Uh, ish. I don't know. I guess I would fucking Beckett you know i guess if i have to fuck one of them fucking one of them sorry marrying owen mm-hmm. because i do i do love owen's binder he would make you a wedding binder so good love that for me and killing rider who's i mean seems mostly fine but he's the most prickly and i don't have time for that especially from dudes
0: he's the bad boy
2: brother yeah.
1: Yeah, see, I'm like a Mary Beckett, which I mean, I feel like from the domestic moments, it it, yeah. it, it tracks and fucking writer because, you know, maybe I, I guess I like that. <laughs> like not to marry, but you know, and then, and it's funny, I guess I that leaves Owen to kill. And it's kind of funny, because I'm probably more an Owen myself. And so I, I don't know what that means psychologically, but... Mm. There would be
3: too much organization in that relationship. It would never work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I knew this was going to be Heidi's answer. I knew.
1: He makes me obsolete. And so I just got it. I got to get rid of him. There can
3: only be one. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) I would fuck Ryder. Like, yes.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I kind of like the bad boy assholes. Um, It is a personality failing of mine. (laughs) I would kill Beckett.
1: Oh. He's too nice and
3: too too dedicated (laughs) to his like first crush. Nah. Not having that. <laughs> and I would marry Owen because I I appreciate someone who will take on some of those
0: organizational tasks.
3: This is our best friend. me on track. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I actually agree fully with Kate. I'm marrying Owen. I'm fucking Beckett. And I'm killing Ryder. And it is mostly because of a desire to not killing Beckett. Like, I think that would make too many people in the community too sad. I think, you know, those boys would be so sad if I killing Beckett. But would
3: they not be sad if you took him away by either, like, having an affair with him or marrying him? They would also be sad. They would be less sad. I don't know. <laughs> Death is cleaner. Death is cleaner. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um... Well with that in mind, round 2 fucking marrying and killing the girls edition, Claire Avery and Hope.
1: This one's been harder for me. Yeah.
0: I I okay. think are you well, ready? I, yeah, I'm ready cuz I'm I'm marrying Hope and then I can live in that in baby and I'm that sounds delightful to me. Um again, similarly, I'm just I'm fucking Claire so that her boys aren't like fully orphaned. Hey, you can and have then, a threesome
2: with both of them, and then you knock the fucking off,
0: yes, yes, off the bat, yes. and no one's technically cheating. Yes, exactly. And then I'm killing Avery, which I do feel bad about, but somebody somebody's gotta go per the rules of this game that someone's making us play. I don't know who.
1: <laughs> yeah, see, my problem that I'm encountering is that I feel like Mary and Avery would seems like it would be maybe kind of fun. Like, you know, um she's not annoying. She kind of three pizza she seems fun and then then i would want to say like fucking hope but then i don't want to kill claire like poor babies like i don't Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i'm feeling a little stuck
2: i think i would kind of similar to that vibe i would fucking claire because yeah like i don't want to leave them alone and also i did fucking beckett so i also once again just like get that out of the way threesome no one's cheating everyone's relationship Mm -hmm. is fine i feel like i would marrying avery because even though i do like kind of want to live in that beautiful inn like avery's the kind of like quirky and neurotic that i go for (laughs) That that feels like like when I think about like the type of women that I'm interested in, I'm like, yeah, that fits. And we didn't really get a ton about hope in this book, so I don't mm-hmm. feel that bad killing hope. But I really wish that I didn't have to. But that's life in this game of
3: fucking marrying, killing.
0: That's life and death. Uh, yeah, I feel like some sort of like
3: Victorian era villain because I'm like, I would kill Claire. <laughs> <laughs> I just
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I have no interest.
3: Claire, like, she's all wrapped up in her, like, she's got her kids. She's now, like, happily married to Beckett. Like, what am I? No, I don't have any use for her. I hope she's happy, but I would, if it's between the three, I'm going to kill Claire. I would marry Avery. I think that we would be, like, one, like, really good friends, which is a great, like, start to a, like, you know, a romantic partnership or even a contractual marriage. Being friends is the way to start. We would be able, like, we both make kind of iffy choices about, like, thinking, I need to make a change in my life. I'm going to dye my hair a random color in the middle of the night. I do that. I did that so often, so often in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Avery and I would be able to do each other's hair and like, also check each other be like, do you really want to change your hair? Or are you hoping that changing your hair is going to change something else in your life? And should we address that underlying thing? I'll help you dye it, but do we want to like, talk about those other underlying issues as we go through this, this um, hair process? And- I would fuck hope and stay friends with her. Cause I think she'd be a classy friend. Yes. So mm. I would not stay friends with Ryder after I, after our, our
0: fucking. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair.
3: Yeah. We wouldn't be like, it wouldn't be like an angry parting, but it would just be like, thank you for the good memories. right? Yeah.
1: And then I leave. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. That's your right. As an American woman. Thanks. <laughs> Onto our favorite game, The Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate says who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, which he is in this book, and (laughs) Heidi and Emily will say which most enhances the book, or they can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is.
2: If The Rock was in this book, he would just be traveling down the East Coast and his car might break down in the vicinity of Boonesboro. And, you know, because the town is the way that is, they would tow him over to the sheets or to an auto body shop to repair his car real quick. And while that's happening, he would go over to Vesta and have some pizza and see the inn unveiling and see how beautiful it is. And because Avery would be there and she loves talking about the inn as the other townsfolk are also gossiping about the inn he would hear all about the plans for it so he would make a point once it opened to come back and book a room there and stay there on like a nice romantic tour and they post about it on his instagram which would get them tons more business and would be like a an all-around win for the entire town
0: if wolverine were in this book he would just show up in full x-men costume in downtown Boonesboro the night of halloween and he would see whichever child is dressed as Wolverine. I forget which of the three kids. He would just see that kid dressed as Wolverine. And they would do an enactment of the spider, the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other meme. And it would just be two Wolverines pointing at each other. And then the kids would be stoked. And then Wolverine would move on to his next adventure or whatever. And that would be the only thing.
3: You're talking about comic book Wolverine, not X-Men movies
0: Wolverine. <laughs> right? Whichever one the kid was dressed as. I guess I was envisioning, yeah, like comic, like yellow. They never really specify. Yeah, I was it's going to be yellow comic. Blue, yeah.
3: Because movie Wolverine would never, like, he was, like, begrudgingly interacting with children. Although he's with children in, like, all of his movies, but he's so, like, grumpy about it. That's um, kind of so it has thing. to be.
0: That's kind yeah. of thing, no? though. Yeah. Okay, to, okay. Like, be a grumpy yet affectionate child interactor. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: But I am imagining like two yellow-suited wolverines running into each other in the streets of Boonesboro. Before we vote on this, could I offer an alternative, The Rock, in this book? Sure. Scenario? Okay. So I'm with you with The Rock being like in his car traveling down the coast. His car breaks down and instead of being like taken to the local mechanic shop, he like pulls up to Sam's car dealership and so oh. we're just like you know what I have money I'm just going to buy a new car but then he meets Sam and immediately his like walking tall radar goes off and yes. he pulls a, a wooden bat from the backseat of his car and he solves that problem he nips it in the <laughs> bud he's like <laughs>
1: no, sir. no sir
3: and then they take that part completely like the rest of the story Sam is like off getting the mental health treatment that he needs and also getting a reality reality check that he doesn't get whatever he wants, even though his mother has raised him to be that way. I don't know how that happens, but I'm sure The Rock would be able to handle that situation just fine. And that would be my scenario for The Rock.
2: Ooh, I go
3: for that. <laughs> I like that too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I find that very satisfying. But I also just say, I mean, Wolverine fits like so seamlessly into the book because there are so many already superheroes mentioned, including Wolverine. Hmm. While I would love to see like a selfie of Dwayne The Rock
3: Johnson in the in like Boonesboro on Instagram, like at the inn, I think that if he were to like stick around Boonesboro for too long and like visit all of the places, that's like way too much to Testosterone for one small Maryland town. (laughs) And so I think the idea of him like running into Sam and realizing his bad news and being like, nah, I'm going to take this guy and he's going to go to like masculinity reform school. And then he nopes out of the small town so that the testosterone level can like even back out to an acceptable level. I think that's the best scenario for that. So I'm voting for my own scenario. Sorry. No, I love it. Yours was fine, but mine's yeah. better.
1: Yeah. Sorry.
0: That's the kind of confident, strong woman that Nora Roberts uh, invites us all to be, honestly. And I love it. Yeah. To be a guest on other people's
3: podcast and take their thing and, like, make it my own thing. like Yeah. In- them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, good game, everyone. Good game. I either way, we all win. It's true. And um, it's time for Duarte's corner, where my cat Duarte weighs in on his opinions. All yeah, all valid. Yeah, we. I mean, I know we we brought it up. It is just uh, infuriating and ridiculous that anyone would think that a, a person of any gender couldn't appreciate a kitten. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah but i i just i implore you george, to just think about renata's solution because i i do think that you know that's really what we we need to constructively think about is like yeah this is frustrating but there are ways that hopefully we could help beckett and the boys get over this like weird block that they have true
0: all right well george thank you for joining us uh, i am sorry i'm gonna have to leave you behind when we go to Boonesboro because i know you would love to crawl up in front of a fireplace but uh you can't and that's my closing thought (laughs) do any other humans have any closing thought um just that i'm
2: stoked to go next week and like so excited to hear from you guys emily and heidi about what to expect and it's really like amped me up even more for it so
1: are you guys making a podcast about your experience like how will we know How it went. (laughs) Yes, we
2: are. We are. What a good segue. (laughs) So for a bonus episode for our Patreon patrons, because this was a Patreon goal, we will be recording while we're there uh, an episode with uh, the two of us. And our resident Nora Roberts expert, Christine, and her wife who we are dragging along into this with us, Nicole, both past guests on this podcast, and we will be talking about our experience and uh, everything, and that will be going up on our Patreon bonus feed. So if you want access to that, listeners, this would be the perfect time to pledge for our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Yeah.
0: Um, and I'm sure we're also just gonna be posting some little pics on our Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah, amazing. If you'd like to see our little in Boonsboro things on social media, we are on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestsellers spelled normally, and we are on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S because the boys um, they turned the S sideways and turned it into a weird looking butt. And <laughs> <laughs> and so um we don't have that anymore but honestly i think i think they need it more so that's where we are in social media and kate where are we else on the internet Uh, You can find us
2: on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all of the places where you can find podcasts. If you do find us, if you could take a moment to rate and review by rating and reviewing, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. Uh, If you don't rate
0: and review, then I didn't think of a joke for this yet. If you don't write and review, you can't have pizza for dinner and you have to have spaghetti instead. (laughs) We're really laying down the law. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh, You can find us, as mentioned before, on Patreon at patreon.com slash Bestsellers. Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like fund our trip to in Boonsboro and keep our equipment up to date and things like that. There are perks for you, like our newly launched Patreon-only patron podcast episodes, which are not regular books, but are just us chatting about uh, the things that we're into recently, what movies we've seen. If you donate now at $3 or more, you can hear the first episode, which will have recently gone up when This episode comes out where Renata is talking about seeing the uh, Riverdale-inspired musical, and I am talking about the experimental horror film Skinnamarank. Finally, uh, we've got merch available, including some new designs, which you can find by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch. And we have a Discord server that you can also find on worstbestsellers.com and you can talk to all sorts of fans there. And I'm sure we'll be dropping all sorts of links and pictures and comments about our experience at in Boonsboro on the Discord server as well.
0: And where can we find Heidi and Emily? Where can we find you all?
1: Yeah, so if you love Nora Roberts and you want to hear people talk about Nora Roberts all the time, um, <laughs> as mentioned at the top, we have a podcast, Romancing the Shelf. We are now in the in the 2000s, we've started from the beginning and made our oh, way all the way to yeah. the 2000s. Um, we have an Instagram, Romancing the Shelf. We have merch at romancingtheshelf.com. And we also have a Patreon. Um, you know, So if you uh, want to go check out our podcast and you're like, oh my God, we love you, then you can come <laughs> help our Patreon as well.
0: And their their social media game, I've, I've admired it before, their social media game is very strong. And as you've heard, they're a delight. So listen to them if you're not already. Join them. Yeah. Uh, thank yeah. you. Yes. And uh, yes, yeah, thank you both for joining us. Thanks for all your Boonsboro tips. We're really excited to go enact them. And I'm also very excited that we're going to be back in two weeks reading The Last Boyfriend by Nora Roberts, which is book two in this trilogy, and it's Owen's book. And there, oh, there's going to be so many binders in it. I bet. I'm so
1: excited to see hear your guys' take on that Mm, I can't wait
0: but you guys will have to wait two weeks (laughs) 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 um thanks bye. bye bye the letter that has a butt.